0: Good afternoon, Apes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here today on yet another Daily Peel live stream. Thank you guys so much for joining, and to everybody listening later on the podcast, on the YouTube channel, or whatever your medium of choice is, shout out to you guys as well. You're just as loved, actually a little bit less loved than the live viewers, because the live viewers can comment and tell me how great I look and all the other stuff like that, for example. Uh, So try to tune in for some live ones, but hey, if you can't make it, at least leave us a like, leave us a comment, some sort of anything to push us in the algorithms and help me keep my job. All right, but thank you guys for joining us here on the live stream. Starting to see you guys load in here. So thank you for joining us on this very late live stream for us. It is 2.44 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on this beautiful Monday, February 26th, 2024. Uh, Markets are having a bit of a rocky day here. Not too, too terrible, but, you know, we're already getting started actually writing tomorrow's Daily Peel as well. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We got a lot of good stuff coming at you for you guys. Uh, In addition, be on the lookout later on this week, we're going to be publishing our second full-scale equity research report for the WSO Alpha team. Those apes have been going crazy working on all that stuff over the past couple of weeks. It's an in-depth one, so it's taken a little bit longer than expected, but you're going to get our full price target and rating on Tesla. So definitely stay tuned for that. I know you're all going to have a lot of thoughts on that. And as usual, we're always looking for all the smoke. But for now, let's go ahead and get into today's Daily Peel. We don't have any uh, financial fraud videos, no memes of the day for us. So today is just straight facts as always. No tomfoolery, no kidding around whatsoever. We are just going over markets in the most normal and reasonable sense as we possibly can. So today we got daily peel number 654. A lot of interesting stuff going on in this one. Mostly focused on big tech companies and their valuations overall. So beginning, we started out with... A call that might make me lose my job or at least any credibility within the financial media space. Not that the Daily Peel has any credibility whatsoever, but if we did, we certainly could be losing it based on this call. Stay tuned for that as well so you can see me embarrass myself in a couple of months. All right, then of course, we got a lot of stock movers of the day. Carvana from bankruptcy to the absolute top of the world, just for one example. We got a few more names in there, of course, to talk about. Then finally, there is a stock out there that actually did better than NVIDIA. And that's the reason that I'm hanging out with all my super cool and hot friends behind me here today, uh, because it is related to the company that's doing better than NVIDIA, Abercrombie & Fitch. A lot of people that were way cooler and way hotter than me in high school, remember you used to wear this stuff all the time, and I would always ask my mom, but she said it just wasn't cool or odd enough to be wearing those clothes. So, you know, it is what it is. We all have our own crosses to bear. All right, but for now, let's go ahead and check out the snapshot of the day as well. You know, it just seems like every time I start talking shit about the S&P 500, it turns around and starts to outperform us. We were outperforming by Friday or by about Thursday of last week. Now we are underperforming by more than a full percentage point. We're also more than two full percentage points below the NASDAQ. A lot of this is due to the reason that the WSO Alka portfolio tends to be a bit lower beta, higher alpha than most, you know, uh, benchmark portfolios would be. We have a strong cash allocation, a lot allocated over into various money market funds, yielding somewhere between four and five and a half percent. Got to take advantage of it while it's available. We also do have exposure to incredibly high alpha assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And of course, you're going to get our take on one of the highest beta, highest alpha stocks in the market being, of course, Tesla 8 in just a couple of days. So stay tuned for that as well. But for now, we'll ride out the suffering. uh, But of course, we're going to ride out that suffering with you guys. Now, let's go ahead and check in on some of the new stories from the day or from the weekend as well, of course. The biggest one, I was bawling my eyes out all weekend, just reading. Mr. Warren Buffett eulogized his best friend and uh, really inspiration, Charlie Munger, in the Berkshire Hathaway 2024 Annual Letter. He came out there and basically said, Charlie was the architect, Buffett was the general contractor, was the analogy that he liked to use. I'm getting teary, I'm just even thinking about it right now. Go ahead and check that out if you need an excuse for a good cry. Citadel, of course, took a rare L as well. The one thing that Ken Griffin does not like to do is lose, but they did lose. And a bid to take over Credit Suisse's China unit. And that bid was actually lost to Ant Financial, a former subsidiary of Alibaba. Always some weird shit going on in that space. Then even weirder shit, Disney actually made a kind of a handshake agreement with one of India's largest companies for a private credit arrangement in a medium merger pact uh, with, uh forget the name, Reliance Industries is what it's called. It's uh, Donnie's company. And then, of course, former president, big dog, Donnie T. He just can't stop winning. I mean, while Citadel's taking a rare L Donald Trump is still continuing to rack up those W's, winning again in South Carolina against Nikki Haley, who is the former governor of the state of South Carolina, further solidifying Trump's bid for that Republican nomination. Shout out to Elon smoking some weed in that advertisement here today. All right, but now let's get into the big story of the day. Wasn't a huge lot of economic reports towards the end of last week. So good, we figured we'd dive deep into this talk about people saying, oh, you know, tech companies, the Mag 7, it's a big bubble, blah, blah, blah. blah. We took a little bit more of an in-depth look, and I'm here to tell you guys, it does not strike me as a bubble. And that's what I mean when I say I very well might get uh, lambasted for that, so definitely stay tuned with us over the next couple of months so that you can comment a few weeks or a few months from now when I try out to be dead fucking wrong. You can tell me how wrong I am, how stupid I look, and all this other nonsense that most people say to me on a daily basis. But if we go ahead and take a look at exactly what's going on here, everybody thinks that the MAG-7 isn't quite the bubble because of the concentration. That these stocks have achieved and of course by concentration we mean the percentage of the overall s p 500 that are made up by just these seven stocks the seven stocks of course being microsoft apple uh, nvidia uh, amazon google uh, meta and which one of them is tesla so those of course are going to be the mag seven they make up a huge percent of the s p 500 right now it's really only comparable to about the 2000 you know dot com era bubble time period but if we go ahead And look just a little bit deeper beyond just the concentration and just the price of these stocks. We can find that it might actually be justified that they make up this much of the S&P 500. First and foremost, we know that stock prices are basically determined by two things. That is one, valuation multiple, and two, expected future earnings. So if we go ahead and take a look at the expected future earnings of the MAG-7 versus the rest of the S&P 500, every quarter in 2023 and every quarter of 2024 except the fourth quarter, the MAG-7 is expected to outperform those of the broader index. So it does make sense that they're going to be outperforming. And it's not like earnings are beating by just a little bit. It's not like S&P 500 companies are growing earnings by 5% and the MAG-7 is at 8%. It's In the first quarter, S&P 500 companies are expected to grow at 0% overall with the MAG-7 at 35%. So it makes sense that these seven companies would be dancing on the rest of the index. If we go ahead and expand our view beyond just know idiosyncratic those companies themselves we take a little bit of a look at investor behavior we can see that we are seeing almost no signs of bubbly behaviors from retail or other investors so we go ahead and take a look at margin debt this is essentially money that um, retail traders for the most part will take out will borrow from their brokerage account providers in order to invest in companies and so when bubbly behavior is kind of rising up we tend to see a staunch increase in margin debt overall because People just can't get enough demand. People can't get enough shares of all the stocks that they want to buy. So they're starting to borrow at a much higher rate, using that money to invest in these companies. We are seeing margin debt at the lowest rate that it's been at since before the GFC. That is the exact opposite of bubbly behavior. We saw this tick back up in 2020 when that bubble was creating and then eventually burst. But there's absolutely no sign that that's coming back right now. And if we go ahead and look at short interest, <clears throat> it's the exact same thing pretty much short interest tends to spike during bubbly periods as well because you know the smart money quote-unquote institutional investors want to take advantage of all of us dumb stupid ugly and poor retail investors by shorting the companies that we're all buying and so that's what we're seeing here actually that's what we're not seeing here is any kind of short interest spikes whatsoever we did see one of the 2020 2021 timeframe, but of course we're not seeing that right now further evidence that it's not a bubble and finally if that's not enough for you if you're still saying David. What the hell? What if it's still a bubble? What if nothing actually comes to fruition of this? Well, boy, do I have the chart for you right here. Because if we go ahead and take a look at planned investment by a lot of these companies, we can see that they plan to go balls deep in various AI and other technology investments. That is exactly what didn't happen during other periods of bubbly behavior. Back during the dot-com era, back during the damn tulip bubble in the early 15th or 16th century in the Netherlands. Actually, I think it was the 17th century. But either way, we are not really seeing any signs of a bubble beyond just that concentration figure. Now, keep in mind, when I say bubble, that is of course relative to just the other S&P 500 companies. If the entire S&P 500 is in a bubble, which is entirely possible, it's happened before, certainly could happen again, then this is all moved. This, none of this matters whatsoever, just like everything else I say. None of it actually matters or counts. We are not seeing any evidence that these seven companies are in any more of a bubble than the rest of the index or the rest of the American market. So why doesn't everybody shut the hell up, calm down, and enjoy the gains for a little bit while they last? All right, speaking of gains, let's go ahead and look into some stocks that made certain people rich to close the week last week. So we got Carvana popping 32.1%. This thing was left for dead by the end of 2022, but just like Tom Brady when he was down 28-3 to three against the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51, they delivered a big win the next year. They came in clutch, uh, surprised everybody with a $450 million profit. In just one year, they went from on the brink of bankruptcy to $450 million in profits, actually generating some cash flow as well. It's not like they were selling a lot more cars or got a lot more customers or anything, but they did manage to fleece their existing customers even more, doubling their profit per unit uh, from you know about 2200 to 5200 in just that year time span. So obviously some great performance to see from them. All right, and then we got Intuitive Machines, something that I'm sure nobody has ever heard of because I definitely didn't hear about this uh, before that move on Friday. Rose about 15.8%, nearly 16%, because they stole this title from Elon Musk as the first privately developed spacecraft to land on the moon. SpaceX, I'm sure, would kill able to have that accolade, but unfortunately, Intuitive Machines beat them to it with their Odysseus Lunar Lander that actually touched down on the moon uh, over the past couple of weeks. The spacecraft is allegedly upright, sending data back to Earth. Pretty cool shit, if you ask me. It's a big proof of concept, but, you know, it's not like there's exactly a ton of customers on the moon. So, it's not a huge profit driver right now, but it was good to see going forward. All right. Yeah, thanks, Lewis. I always need the reminder to getting back to protecting and creating shareholder value. Very much appreciated. Hopefully, you guys are out there doing the exact same thing. We know the shareholders need you in this time of need. We're actually going to be diving a little bit further into that as well tomorrow. Uh, not into public shareholders, but into private shareholders. And all the suffering, those poor venture capitalists have dealt with over the past couple of years. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. But let's go ahead and look at some pieces of shit from Friday. Of course, Booking Holdings is at the absolute top of the list. I believe this is the worst performance of this p 500 on the day. So this company, they came out, they beat estimates, declared a new dividend of $8.75 per share. Now the stock is in the $3,000 range, so it's not like that's a huge yield or anything. But still, you would think that beating earnings and declaring a new dividend would kind of be the move. Nope, Wall Street doesn't give a fuck about that whatsoever. And that's because guidance was a little bit lower than it usually is. The company, they thought they could scurry their way out of it by blaming wars in Ukraine and the Middle East. But if you actually go ahead and look at their geographic breakdown, pretty much all of the revenue comes from the U.S. and the Netherlands. No idea why the Netherlands is so much of the company right there. But hey, you know, I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles. But when over 90%, it's about 92 to 93% in any one of these given years. Your revenue is from these two countries. Don't fucking talk to me about wars in the Middle East and Ukraine causing your revenue or booking declines. That's absolute nonsense, but it's a good excuse for the time being. Probably saved them from losing another 5% or so. All right, and then, of course, Warner Bros. Discovery as well. You know, one of the greatest TV properties of all time is HBO. And the way that it got there was by having some of the best shows, the best content in the entire media landscape available only on their own network. One of my personal favorites is, of course, Curb Enthusiasm. think if you don't watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, you're missing out on some of the best entertainment of this generation. But anybody who has been watching Season 12, such as myself, is unfortunate enough to know that it has been off to a rocky start for our boy Larry David. Uh, It hasn't exactly been the funniest season so far, and it looks like HBO is already suffering from that as Warner Bros. Discovery tanked on their earnings. They lost about $400 in Q4, but it was actually a sizable improvement uh, from a $2.1 billion loss at the same time last year. Sales missed estimates, but they did see an 86% jump in the year on free cash flow. CEO David Zalflow might actually be doing his job and turning things around. Foxfly, what is going on, my guy? Great seeing the chat once again. Gotta say, you're the first person to uh, I see there that I actually recognize or remember the name. So, shout out to you, Mr. Foxfly, You deserve, uh, I don't know, like a cookie or a handshake or something. But either way, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about the final story of the day here. Some are related to that very first story as well, because There is a stock in the market in the S&P 1500, not the S&P 500, that has managed to outperform NVIDIA. Like I said at the top of the call, in case you guys weren't there, that's the reason that I'm hanging out with my super cool and hot friends behind me here today. Uh, Obviously, I wasn't cool or hot enough to wear Abercrombie back in the day, but these guys seem like they were, and Abercrombie has been going through a bit of a cycle since, uh, since back in the day, since the early 2000s. Now, Many of us in our forefathers would remember Abercrombie & Fitch as being the brand that's geared towards those super hot and cool kids in high school. But it seems like that that didn't work out too well for them during the 2000s decade and especially during the 2010s. The stock price was absolutely put through the ringer, but over the past couple of years, they've managed to make a big turnaround. So if we go ahead and take a look at this chart, this is the one-year chart comparing Abercrombie & Fitch, a.k.a. Abercrombie & Rich, to NVIDIA. We can see that Abercrombie has actually outperformed by a slight bit so definitely some cool stuff to see i mean i would not have guessed this whatsoever uh, but if we go ahead and take a look at earnings we can see that that is certainly not the reason why like we said earlier there's basically two things that determine the value of the company that is the valuation multiple assigned to earnings and the expected future earnings and we can see the has absolutely destroyed Abercrombie and bitch in terms of earnings growth but if we go ahead and look at the valuation multiples at the so this is the quarter over quarter change in valuation multiple assigned to Nvidia and Abercrombie. Fitch. We can see that this is the entire reason why Abercrombie has been outperforming Nvidia. So not only did their private did their PE multiple, excuse me, expand further than Nvidia's for the most part, and also for the most part again decline less than Nvidia. And so when we weight these things together, we can see that the PE multiple for Abercrombie has expanded far more than Nvidia's itself, becoming more overvalued allegedly. Uh, But that really has been the driving force behind Abercrombie and Fitch's outperformance. And the big takeaway here is you don't necessarily need to pick the companies whose earnings are going to grow the most in order to gain the most. You got to pick the company who's not only going to grow the most just absolutely, but grow the most relative to where they currently are. So something like Abercrombie and Fitch is starting in the wood chipper as an absolute piece of shit. Whereas Nvidia is creating an entirely new industry, investors are much more likely to bid up the valuation multiple of a turnaround story rather than something brand new. Lewis Haley at the moment, in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Just store value, exactly. I, I could not agree more. Uh, <laughs> we uh, Hopefully, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about that stuff going forward as well, because it's going to be pretty important to see what kind of legislation policies pass, especially related to foreign policy and the United States involvement in foreign wars going forward. Could be big for the Defense Department as well there, Lewis. So I think you're probably paying attention to the right things there. But either way, let's go ahead and finish off with the big questions. What underrated stocks are going to dominate the market this year? Is there a next Abercrombie and Fitch that's going to outperform OpenAI, Microsoft, whatever other companies you want to ascribe them to? But we'll see if anything can dominate these big tech companies going forward. Shout out to Abercrombie and Fitch, the people's stock. All right. And then, of course, we had to finish off the day with a related quote, also from our boy Warren after he published his annual report and, uh, Shareholder letter over this past weekend, going back to one of his most famous quotes, where he said, It's far better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. Now, if you took this perspective, going back to the previous section that we were just talking about, you absolutely would have been buying NVIDIA instead of Abercrombie and Fitch. It's not like NVIDIA did too bad, but it's always something to consider. Uh, Now, finishing things up for the day, of course, thank you guys so much for joining us here once again. Make sure to leave a like, subscribe, everything like that on the YouTube, on the podcast channels. Anything to push our content further, as long as you're only saying nice things. Because, like I always say, if you say something mean, I will find you and I will come and burn your house down. So make sure to go ahead and give us all the bananas right there. And tell me how much you love Daily Peel. Always love to hear that. Either way, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. Always love to have you on the live stream. And love you guys listening later on as well. It is pretty late for us here. 3.01pm Eastern Time here too. We will... Be much earlier back to our regularly scheduled programming tomorrow at about 11 30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, we will see you guys then. Hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your day. Otherwise, happy investing, happy trading. Lewis, thank you, man. I uh, appreciate the support. We're actually thinking about doing uh, some live streams reacting to earnings reports for the next earnings season as well, which I think would be pretty cool because I almost shit myself when I see numbers like NVIDIA's for the last quarter. And I would love to shit myself live on screen with you guys joining. So, once again, Happy investing, happy trading. Thank you guys for joining us here today. Peace out to Lewis and Foxfly and all you other commenters. Love you guys. Have a great one. Bye now. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.